Hello and welcome to episode 43 of Horse Heretics. I'm Neil. I'm William. And today we will be talking about a series of short stories, which is called, I've forgotten the name of the book. Well, can you help me out on that one? <laughs> the Primarchs. And the, the term, primarchs, the term you're looking for, Neil, is novellas, not short stories. Novellas, <laughs> yes. Yes, so there are four novellas. Do you know the definition or the distinction between short stories and novellas? Um, I think it's just... <laughs> length <laughs> length yeah well uh, is it turgidness <laughs> i assume i assume it's a fairly pliable term but in the i mean it makes sense in the context of this series that they're calling these something different because yeah. like the short story collections we've had before have had like i don't know what like eight or ten or something in them mm-hmm. whereas this is just like four across basically the length of a full novel um, yeah so it's like a quarter of a book yeah one. so yeah the distinction is uh, they are distinct so why not um so the first one um is the reflection cracked uh, with no e uh, by graham mcneil and i think that sort of harkens back to an agatha christie novel called the mirror cracked from side to side um and it is the emperor's children and we meet our old mate Eidolon again, and Lucius. So will we jump straight in, Will? Yeah, let's jump in. Um, now, see, I felt a lot of inadequacy during the reading of these novellas because particularly with the Emperor's Children, we're dealing with characters and things that we have, situations and stuff that we have encountered Yeah, you know, before. And oftentimes I had this sort of, vague like haunting sense that I I was supposed to something was supposed to be really significant um, Mm. but I just couldn't remember why you know what I mean which is pretty bad from my point of view Um, but like uh, you know what I mean like I just I knew that something was harking back sometimes to some big thing that happened in an earlier book but a lot of it's just kind of in my memory just kind of melded into one like um, well, if yeah, we yeah. if we go back and like if if we give some sort of backstory a little bit to set up this story, I'll do a bit of that. And if I say something that you completely forgot, um, let us know. Okay. Good. But um, it, so it harkens back to the story that we read, um, w- which was the fall of the emperor's children, which happened in their opera house. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> called La Finice. Yeah, that's and that, that's that was where that, that sort of theater. opera singer. Sorry, no, I was just saying that's an actual Venetian theater. It's called that a famous Venetian theater. Oh, is it? Um, that I haven't been in it because I mean I was living in Venice for a little while, but um, it it's it was obviously closed because of COVID and stuff. But um. But yeah, it's like I'm not sure when it was built, but it's quite old and it's it's like very famous. So it's just directly named after that, apparently. But anyway, oh, sorry, uh, crack on. No, no, that's a bit of color. And yeah, that was um, if you remember, there was uh, some story or other about um, this uh, artist, and she creates this like cacophonous opera, and um, there are all like people just killing each other and uh, copulating, and the Primarch is in his sort of. Uh, royal box looking out and laughing his head off and stuff so that that comes into play but another key feature was when um actual uh, fulgrim their primarch cuts off um ferris manis's head and takes it to horus 
and we learn that um, Fulgrim has actually got a demon inside him who has sort of pushed uh, Fulgrim's consciousness to the side and we sort of feel that uh, we we see that the, that small human Primarch soul is sort of horrified at what it has done um, uh, but doesn't have control of his body anymore and I can remember us saying oh that's cool like that that's something really interesting that they can build upon. Like, what does that mean when all of the future stories are told? Um, this sort of starts and finishes that in slightly disappointing way. I, I would have liked that to have been like just open and to have had consequences in every story that we read, rather than to have like a, a sort of start, middle, and end in this short story that isn't part of the main. Um, the main thread of the Horus Heresy. Yeah. Uh, d- did you remember all of that? Like, is <clears throat> well, yeah. It, what you just said pretty much accords with the memories that I kind of reverse engineered as I was reading <laughs> this story. If you know what I mean, like, yeah, I, I kind of half remembered actual things, and I half thought, well, this is must have been what happened because that's you know what I mean. Like, that's yeah. how, <laughs> <laughs> I must have read this sometime. <laughs> you got to um, think that well, like. We are probably reading this faster than most, most anybody really, well, because yeah. like this series of books happened over years. You can't Rem- expect people to have re- remembered stuff. So, if if there's people in a position to remember, it should be us. <laughs> it should be, but it, it it turns out that it isn't. <laughs> it may be a surprise to to our listeners that we don't take these stories that seriously. So. <laughs> So I mean, let, let's we, we've let's, sort of we've sort of given ourselves a sort of comfortable safety net of unprofessionalism for this podcast <laughs> by, by by not uh, you know we don't no one's paying for Patreon or a whatever or uh, yeah. we don't have any adverts so we're doing this for reasons that remain quixotic <laughs> to me um, and. Uh, and so the one thing you're going to let us away with, you're going to have to let us away with, or simply stop listening to the podcast. Because you, you, you have no say in this. You have no, you have no way of changing our opinion on this. <laughs> it's just uh, a comforting pillow of mediocrity that we can lie ourselves down on should we so choose in terms of professionalism. So there you go. I've, I find that safety net has done me well in my entire life of, of of just um, you know, only giving it half my ass. You know, <laughs> the rest of my ass is for me. Um, <laughs> so let's let's talk about this story then. The, the reflection crack. Our old mate Lucius, the swordsman, uh, he's referred to as that. Um, the the greatest swordsman in the Imperium, still as vain uh, as ever, and he is having uh, his first ever dream. He never dreams, but yet he dreams. Um, and he's in La Finice, that opera house, and there's hundreds of bodies lying around him, mutilated. Um, the scene of the fall of him and his legion. And he feels like he's been summoned, uh, beckoned here some, somehow. And he's like, he looks in a mirror, and there's a whole bit of like slicing into the mirror and bits cutting him and stuff. But it's basically to tell us that he has been rendered ugly. Uh, by a fight with Loken in the past and also sort of more ritual scarifications that he's made to himself. So he's like a, a, a 
the, the chief narcissist basically maybe fulgrim might be that but he's like incredibly narcissistic and yet like hideously ugly and that i think is meant to mean something to us but it doesn't um um, and he he wakes uh from this dream that he's having and like we we sort of learn that this the structure the system of command of the legion is sort of broken down and because there is no sort of guidance of this great crusade they're all setting their own goals and uh, measuring themselves by different things he is still pursuing perfection in warfare but all these other uh, people in the legion um, are pursuing different things and therefore there's just like so much more rivalry and um, as sort of uh, it's what would happen when a brotherhood who are set up to achieve one goal no longer care about that goal and just sort of are left on their own basically don't you think yeah and their new, their new sort of chaos mindset is like they, they they want to all experience these sort of ultimate sensations in whatever way works best for them sort of you know so like mm-hmm. Lucius is is um is um you know a lot of that's focused on his you know swordsmanship and he wants to um fight the best opponents and and all this um, and he's kind of he's kind of going around and he's kind of his own thing in a way like he because he he obviously was fighting against the the heretics initially um, yep. in the story um and then betrayed uh Saul Tarvitz wasn't it his, his friend oh that's right yes I thought um, about that so he betrayed the the loyalists the emperor and so he's kind of like he's obviously part of the the now sort of traitor legion that is the the emperor's children, but he's not he's not really he's still kind of an outsider amongst them. Yeah, um, didn't didn't he sort of he was never very like oh demons they're great let's have you know let's turn to chaos. He was more just like a bit more of a it was like a decision for him. It was just like I think I'll be able to fulfill my desires to be a great swordsman by going with these chaos people, and so that's what I'll do. He was not like a true believer; he wasn't a word bearer or anything like that. Yeah. So, so like basically, the situation is there's all kinds of wild stuff going on aboard the ship, um, and but but uh, Lucius is concerned that a lot of stuff happens in this novella that like. It just you're just kind of told, or oh, some really significant things happened. You're just kind of told about it, like oh, he just worked out that there's something wrong with, um, with uh, the the Full frame arc. Um, yeah. yeah, and like, I mean, I suppose it is explained a little bit, but like, there's there's a few things like that which are just, in a way, in a way that was good. It sort of, um, you know, went along quite quickly. But there were some moments where it was just like. It, they didn't really land very well because it was just kind of like, um, oh, they they realised this thing and that was that, mm. you know. Um, but so there's we, we meet again. Um, much, so there's a lot of snarling, sneering people that hate each other in this book, and of course we've got, um, as you said, our um, uh, one of our one of the long-standing names in this series. Although a, a kind of B character, but definitely one of the top top B characters is Eidolon and um, uh, so um, so in, in some situation where, where Fulgrim's speaking um, 
it's just the the classic like so Eidolon uh, is just like this total like boor, just like a total prick, like basically. <laughs> um, and he's like, and he's like, so then Fulgrim's speaking, and it says like Lucius had a thought, but he kept him, he kept it to himself, knowing it would be unwise to speak it aloud. A similar thought evidently occurred to Eidolon, but the Lord Commander had not the common sense to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> My lord, I do not understand. What purpose does this serve? And it's just a, it's just like yeah. that's a guileless, um, <laughs> exactly guileless, um, stupid buffoon. Um, and he was good. And it was in this um, this very conversation, uh, actually prompted by what he had, what Idolon had just said, that we see that Fulgrim is just fucking mad. Like he will go off, fly off the handle at absolutely anything. I thought it was like a pretty good depiction of like a a chief, an arch narcissist, like swinging from adoration, like desiring adoration to furious anger to like pathetic um, self-regard and stuff. It's yeah. um, obviously not deftly handled, but, you know, it was it, it was good nonetheless. And then, I mean, let's let's address the elephant in the room here. What happens now, Neil? To Eidolon. Yeah. Well, that's the end of him. He's dead. Yep. His head his head's off. <laughs> <laughs> um and with like no ceremony at all, um Eidolon sees his death before him. He, he like he said the wrong thing. Philgrim cuts his head off with a sword, and that's it. My favourite character, done away with. <laughs> and that's probably the most significant thing that happens in this story, and um, probably this whole book, but um, we'll let's, let's soldier on. <laughs> yeah, so um, the the Fulgrim, after cutting his head off, just like, all right, we're going to have a bit of a fight now uh, on this uh, Mechanicum planetoid thing. Um and they go down to the planet and slice up a bunch of Mechanicum soldiers. It's not a, not a challenge to anybody. Um, Lucius um, hates that his enemies don't appreciate the beauty of their own destruction. <laughs> which is, which I was like, okay, Lucius. Um, there was a top, there was a spot at, atop my rankings of favorite characters, and he he saw that and he was just like, I'm I'm going for it. I'm taking it. And so I was like, okay, grand, you're it now. Fulgrim just decides he's going to call this like star system the Prismatica cluster, um, and just says <laughs> I love that. that. Yeah, I lo- I love that he was like, I've decided to call it this, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's just like Prismatica cluster. It is. Um, yeah. and they, um, there, there was a, a tremendous bit of um, of writing whenever he's down there. Like uh, they, he destroys a, a Titan with some magic, um, and. Uh, Lucius says, "Can you teach me that?" And he was like, "Well, maybe." Um, and anyway, goes into these like big t- giant glass trees, and um, he goes off by himself. And he sa- he says, "His reflection surrounded him, the most incredible beauty captured in living form." Fulgrim watched his image grow and recede as he took turns at random, enraptured by his exquisite features, his noble countenance, and his regal bearing. What other could match it in perfection? Like, that's that's good. I enjoyed that very much. Yeah, and um, um, like, so it's worth noting here. Uh, so they, I guess, they go back to the ship, and 
this is when Fulgrim has it, but in that in the trees he has a the hallucination, um, and he has that that sort of conversation with himself. You know, there's there's the there's him and there's this uh, other entity inside him, and the other entity like says we can be so much more powerful if you just let me out. Don't you know? Don't keep me in here. Um, uh, but uh, the the Fulgrim, the person who's controlling Fulgrim, says, "No, I've got this covered. Don't need you. It's all fine." And then they go back um, to the yeah, ship. Yeah, that's, that's important. Um, so, um, I, what I find really striking about this was right. So the ship, we kind of alluded to this already. Everyone's off doing their own thing, and they're looking for a sensation, and it's all. Oftentimes, that sensation is like it was pain or killing or torture or the Clive Barker type ship. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like, and um, Lucius wants to check out Lafanice, which has been like locked down and no one can go in there. Um, and because he had that dream about it, obviously, and he kind of wants to try and get the, the truth behind what's up with Fulgrim. And he goes there, and there's like, what are they called again? It's like some sort of um, unit of guard. Um, oh, oh the, is it the is it the Phoenix Guard? Yeah, yeah, it's a, like um, which I assumed was meant to be like an elite, sort of elite force within the Emperor's children. Um, and they were they were kind of guarding the entrance to it, and they said, "No, you're not getting in, Lucius." And he just like slashed them right up, all of them killed them, <laughs> um, just yeah. just to get Done. in. And um, he so he gets in, and I, and I think unless you might remember something, I don't, but I think this is one of those moments where like. Uh, well, that I was talking about before, where you just kind of a thing is realised by a character without it being totally clear. Um, yeah, he 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 goes into La Fenice and sees a painting of Fulgrim, and is like, I remember Fulgrim as he was, and this current Fulgrim is not him. Yeah. So something's going on, and that's the realization. And you're totally right. It's not satisfying it's it's too you know it's too deus ex machina isn't it it's just like here's yeah. the thing yeah i know the thing i just know that this is different and yeah yeah and and it is and and um like as and, and the story's like yeah and it is there's no sort of like oh could this just be lucius's you know like perception it's like no, and it is, is yeah he he realized this is the truth and it is the truth yeah. Note note to reader, it is the truth. <laughs> so he he pretty easily manages to convince <laughs> all these people that hate him that, that their beloved lord is possessed by a demon. Um wouldn't you there say There is a there is a sort of nice um sort of undertone to it in that there is like a free song that goes through them at the thought of like murdering their Primarch. Because they, yeah. you know, they're they're in hock to this kind of like desire to push things further and further and further, and they're like, how, how much, um, how much further can you possibly go than killing your own Primark? That's great. Do you know? Do you know what I found like funny about some of the conversations at this point? It was like, so he's telling them this, and obviously some of them are, like I say, they're pretty quickly convinced, but some of them are uh, initially shocked, and they're like, um. So they come out with stuff like this. Um, you know, Lord Fulgrim is no sorcerer. Um, and 
and I, it just got me to thinking and said, you know, uh, something like about, you know, just totally, total shock at the notion that his body was taken over by something else. And then, like, I just sort of couldn't help but put that in contrast to, like, the sort of shit that's going on in their ship and the fact that they're all, like, well, we, we hear even more of it later on when we get to Fabius Bile and his um, sort of laboratory, but, like, they're, they're, deli- they're going out of their way to do the most, like, extreme... Yeah, shit that they possibly can to get like wild sensations, and yet they still have these massive qualms at the mention of the word sorcery. I was like, mm-hmm. um, "This is weird." But uh, anyhow, they so they basically they basically like set about a plan that I could not help but envisage as like um, some sort of like something from like a Tom and Jerry cartoon where someone's got a <laughs> giant net and they. <laughs> Is it? Could it even be called a plan? <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. They take him somewhere and shoot him loads. <laughs> like that. The plan is right. Everybody, we're, we're the most elite in the legion. Let's put our heads together. Why don't we? Why don't we lure him somewhere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's lure him. What are we going to do? Just shoot him a bunch. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Fine, and that's they do. And one of them's got a big signed gun, <laughs> yeah. and, and puts it against his like temples and just blasts him. Yeah. And he just like has, <laughs> it's written in a way that like he has just the the most massive orgasm that he passes out. And yeah. you know, <laughs> fair play if you're going to go out, go out on a high, you know. Um, <laughs> and that's it. And the like they take him to, as you say. Um, the laboratory of um, uh, Fabius Bile, and they torture him. Uh, think th- this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, they think that the pain will force the demon out, and they're meant to love pain. They all love pain now, and yeah. Fulgrim does as well. And um, they use control to they use a, a device that, to assume control of his mind. But again, as as always, whenever a Primarch wants to break free of anything, they can break free of anything. And he, like, bashes them all up a bit. And Fulg- uh, uh, sorry, Lucius sort of realises that, and starts, and, uh, starts laughing at this, that the realisation is that while Fulgrim does have a demon inside him, um, Fulgrim has since sort of defeated the demon and it is the demon that is captured and not Fulgrim so um, that sort of puts pay to that little interesting twist that there may be something good in Fulgrim and you know something for the future but no his um, his final killing of his brother severed any like ties to his past that he had and allowed him to just like sit back and watch this demon and then imprison it uh, at his own time and place and wish, and that was it. And, and yeah, uh, and, and and again, they're like, they're like, well, now that you've said that, I see it. I see what you're talking about now. Even though I also just saw that you were possessed by a demon a short time ago. But like, <laughs> yeah. um, but like, the, yeah, this whole. I mean, you alluded to this earlier, but there's there's a bit of color worth mentioning here about like the state of Fabius Bio and his. Um, <laughs> his um, sort of lair. Uh, so he cuts about in a 
was described as a four-length coat of flayed human skin taken from the bodies of the dead of the dead on Istvan Five, and um, he his uh, sort of lab or whatever it is his like plastic surgery clinic that is is, <laughs> um, is is in the place called or is is beside a place called the Gallery of Swords, and it was a place where the which was a place where the exhibitionists of the Emperor's children liked to display their latest flesh masterpieces. Devotees of Apothecary Fabius, hoping to attract his notice, would drape their latest confections of macabre living art from the bull-headed statues that lined the grand processional of the Andronius. Um, so, yeah, I just thought I was taken by that notion that we were, like, just sort of coyly trying to attract the attention of <laughs> Fabius by, like, you know, they wouldn't even directly show it to him. They would just kind of yeah. you know, drape it outside his... Um, his workplace and uh, <laughs> hope that he would he would, he would uh, look out his window and just be like oh I like that one <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so and then there's like, so yeah they're basically like like you say in a very unsophisticated manner they're like right so let's just like let's just torture this guy that we're so worried about having you know we're so yeah. we, 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 we love this our Primark and, and everything but let's just absolutely torture him uh, all simultaneously in different ways with different implements and um and so they're all just like digging hooks into him and <laughs> jabbing him in different places and cutting his flesh open and stuff like this it's quite rank and like um and then but he he's just kind of loving it i mean he's just gone through all this process for a laugh essentially like or you know yeah. and um he's there's just one um so they're all torturing him and the primarch's like he's he actually says to them um, <laughs> so they've got they've got different like I say they're all sort of torturing at the same time with different implements and he says he says to um, to one of them he's like your positioning of the of the Swadistana chakra needle is slightly off Julius perhaps due to the intrusion of Marius's implement a little higher might be better <laughs> yeah so he's giving them full on critique <laughs> of their of their technique yeah so that was that was that would you there say there is yeah, at the end they say, uh, "Okay, now, now you all know, um, we can all be sort of a, a more united legion because we're all on the same page. We've got to go to build a mirror city, um, and it's a place where we will encounter encounter the angel exterminatus. No idea what that is yet, um, but foreshadowing uh, for a future book." And I, I did like the sound of that, the Mirror City, which is where there's a glorious city of mirrors, a city of mirages that once solid and liquid and once air and stone. I'm like, that sounds like a good setting. Looking forward yeah. to seeing that. Um, so, What did you think of that? I, th- I, I think I already know from the fact that you were like, I was reading it assuming that some of this shit was meant to have been like hard-hitting and punchy, and it wasn't. So did you just find it a bit... I, I find this quite tedious. Like it was so long for, for yeah. what it was trying to, you know, the information it was trying to convey. Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with that. I didn't, I didn't find it like a total write off, um, because there was some some interest and stuff, and there was at least some development of the story. Eidolon died, um, hmm. and um, I mean, whether you like it or not, at least it sort of moves something forward with this. Um, yeah. You know, with what Fulgrim actually is, you know, if he's a possessed by a demon or not. Um, Lucius, I guess, you know, was a was I guess always one of the better main characters from the early book, and he got 
we've got a good sort of look at what's up with him um, now. Uh, so, yeah, overall, I didn't think it was great, but at least it... Um, yeah, for uh, in a story that has felt that it, it's been treading water, um, it's been like, you know, going back to fill in some gaps on like the ultramarines and stuff. Now, we really like that book, but it, it is all jumping back and forth and not progressing. Well, and I, I guess that's a thing that is probably going to continue because the series goes on forever. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, I actually, I actually thought the Ultramarines one was a good example of like a book that did really felt like it was giving you part of the story. Well, yeah, like I get it's like a different story than like the one that was in the first three books, you know, in terms of yes. fan and stuff. But I did feel like part of the whole sort of galactic war going on that was obviously a significant moment with a sort of surprise attack on the ultramarine so i felt like that was that was a part of the story and this like this was obviously going back to the early characters and it did slightly advance that um however i think a, a counter example to this comes in the next story which uh is called feet of iron by nick kime now that's that's feet of iron not you know, he performed a feat of iron. It's feet as in your two feet. Right. Okay. But yeah, okay, so it's called Feet of Iron, right. And this is about um Ferris Manus and Iron Hands. Yep. So where do we start on this one? I think we start the in the middle of a war on an Eldar world. Ferris Manus is leading his his legion. And it's got to a bit of a stalemate, and he is a fucking whinging child uh, because he's uh, elsewhere on the planet. Mortarian and Vulcan have their legions, and they're way ahead of him. And they're like, "Ferris, do you want to do you want a wee bit of a hand? We'll like, we'll we'll give you a bit of a, a, a pull up." And he's like, "No, nah, mate, I've, I've I've got this covered." And he's just like raging at his soldiers. Um, to you know move forward always be moving forward run you know don't stop for anything and that causes them to like leave behind a bunch of struggling human soldiers um and uh, their their constant refrain is the flesh is weak because they are like augmented with bionics and and all that kind of stuff so they've all literally got bionic hands one of them has this really sort of cyberpunk visor over his eyes um and yeah that's that's about their thing their the flesh is weak bionics and technology are great and will save them and ferris manis in like foreshadowing for him sort of running to istvan um we see him here as you know likewise being impatient and reckless yeah and and it should be immediately said that this story is which annoyed me from the off was like back to the the prehistory of all the events, you know, like rather yeah. than um, like where at least the last story had was following on from what we knew up to that point. Or is this um, this was another yet another tale going back to before the 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 sort of the the proper narrative of this um, war has begun, um, yeah. And um, I don't think we need to go into like detail on the the sort of Eldar sorcerers but throughout this novella there's some like uh, chittering little Eldar fellows 
uh, who like went, say that we must change the course of um, Ferris Manus. He's on a, a dangerous course that will lead to the st- destruction of the Eldar race and of the galaxy itself. We must try to, you know, set his path or set his feet on a different path. Yeah, and 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 yeah. So that's kind of happening somewhere in the background, if you like. You know, we just get occasionally a scene of these two elder talking to each other, and and the war is being fought um, against uh, well, elder sort of elder warriors, but they're also they also have kind of um, your classic chitin uh, based <laughs> uh, sort of alien creatures that they've corralled to fight sort of for them as well. Yeah. They've got like an insect cavalry, I think they mentioned, <laughs> <laughs> which sounded like really, like I would like to see that. That sounded funny. Yeah, yeah that's good. Uh, we also, uh, we meet uh, Bayon Henricos again, who we've met before. Um, and he's a war- he's just like a warrior. He's not particularly high up, but he's like a recently promoted sergeant, I think. And he's not, he's not fully mechanic. He's basically flesh and... Um, has only like his bionic iron hands um and there's you know because of that he is portrayed as having more time for the humans and you know being softer on the humans and um i just think that's a really that's a boring analogy to always have like you know where does your humanity exist you know like uh, as you become more technological do you lose your humanity? I've just seen that so many times. It, it, you know, it's it's like looking at it from the wrong direction. It, it's like what you should be looking at. What is what is it that's human, and can that exist in a fully, or should that should be able to exist in a fully technological thing, um, if you do the work of identifying what you consider to be human, um, and th- there's something worth exploring there, but. The, the, this whole sort of technology versus humanity is weak stuff. Well, like the the yeah the the um the Iron Hands don't have a particularly sophisticated take on that. Um, yeah. Debate. They're just like, yeah, but look, my my metal arm is fucking quality, mate. You know, like it's <laughs> um, it slices up the aliens much more efficiently than your normal hand. Like your flesh One hand. Of- is it Santar says to Henricos, you are overfleshed, Bion. <laughs> what a fucking quality like. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I suppose I can let it off f- for that line, you know. Um, but th- that's great. Anyway, I- again, another superb plan is put into play here. Um Ferris Manus says we need to push ahead. We need to. The, the whole point of the battle they're doing is to reach a node. Well, I don't know what. No, oh no yeah, this really is, tells us what the nodes was, are. This was just like classic video game chat. Yeah, <laughs> go and destroy reach the, the node. node. <laughs> yeah, um, and they um, like find this valley, which is you know like uh, steep sided and basically uh, a death trap. And uh, Ferris Manus just is like rushing ahead, rushing ahead, got to be fast. And so they go in and surprisingly, it's a trap. And um, there's like um, a storm 
it flies in, uh, but it's got like loads of Eldar warriors in it, and they start cutting into these um, space marines, and then they sort of depart. But there's like a virus in the bionics of the space marines, which in the first instance like renders them useless, and then they start like acting against. Uh, their owners and the the space marines start like choking each other or choking themselves and stabbing themselves and like shooting themselves and stuff um and henricos who's with the humans again i think for being overfleshed sees like a wizard or something above the storm and shoots him and goes in and saves his brothers uh but ferris manis is gone he's been taken yeah um so the story then becomes basically that they Ferris Manus is off on his own like just a, a quite boring sort of journey through various visions um, yeah. which is a very common thing that happens in these books um, <laughs> and uh, and the rest of them are like they have a search for him they can't find him and eventually they realize, look, we're just not going to find him. He'll show up if he's going to show up. And they, they're, they're like, like oh, let's, let's get this node. <laughs> um, let's capture the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they... they um, and and uh, But the, the Elder do this sort of magic thing again of... Um, like, they're sort of fighting. They're, they're at the sort of last line of the defense where they've got a big force field thing. But they also do this like magic thing where they send in this kind of storm... That um, if they get caught in it, their you know their bionic implants start malfunctioning and and turning against them and stuff. Um, and yeah, this is where what's his name? Um, see, I can't. I have no memory of encountering this guy before. Where where did he crop up before in the story? Oh, uh, God, I can't remember. I think it's. I think he dies in a book I can't remember man right okay so anyway um, he like all along like some of them have been going on about the humans oh they're just so nice down blah 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 and he he says like we can go in there um, with the I can take a, a force of humans in there because he because he doesn't have much bionics and, and obviously the humans don't so um, they're like yeah Okay then, reluctantly, you know, um, and um, let's use the troops that we took to this. You know what I mean? It's the fact they're so fucking weird. They're like, why? Why in any way would that be a problem? You know, <laughs> if you <laughs> if you bother to take like an army with you, being like, let's use that army for the purpose for which it was designed. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, uh, and. Um, yeah, anyway, they, they go in, a lot of them die, but um, in the course of the fight, uh, they find um, Ferris Manus, who's come out of his um, vision thing. Now, in the visions, it's important to want to mention that there was he was being stalked by an archetypal snake monster uh, <laughs> throughout. Yeah. Um, but he just basically kills the snake monster... Um, and uh, he was being shown a bunch of shit about like statues of Primarchs and stuff like that. So this was the whole Elder Gambit to try to get him to do something other than um, what was going to lead to this catastrophe. Yeah. Um, 
but the bottom line of it is that and the, the snake was a chaos like so the elder discussed this a bit the snake was like a representation of chaos that had sort of slipped into the the elder magic that was causing these visions kind of um, yeah and um uh he <clears throat> so yeah basically he he goes through all this thing and then like basically kills the snake uh comes out of the vision and carries on in the path he was on anyway and the elder are like oh we fucked that up like yeah um and that's that's it basically isn't it i mean yeah i mean the the um the snake monster sort of just before he kills it like turns into a semi snake monster semi fulgrim mishmash and um he kills it anyway and then has a bit of a chat with um the eldar who set him back like send him back and they have a bit of a whinge like oh we we couldn't make him change his um his ways but then one of them says that um it it needn't matter because there's another one who can help. One who was lost. Oh, yeah. One who was lost. So that could mean anything. I don't know the answer to that about um, yeah. who that means. Uh, but, like, uh, about six or seven different options sort of spring to mind. And um, there is nothing I find more boring than the possibilities of, the, you know, the possibilities of a fulfillment of, of lore and prophecy. Uh, so I, I've just I'll, I'll wait until I find that out. That sounds interesting, but fuck it. So yeah, this but, was a turgid, slow ass, boring fucking story. Yeah, I mean, there's like it's not like I have any particular problem with the writing of the story or anything like that, like compared to the other ones. But it was like it, this was like you know the last story. This is what the point I was making. The first story we discussed today was like. Um, you could have some complaints with it, but it, it did, you know, there's things that happened in it that will have some relevance down the line. You know, you'd be like, oh, Eidolon is not there because he got killed in that novella. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, this was just entirely redundant. Really. Yeah. I mean, because it's yeah. just like, oh, the Elder has seen a thing that could have happened, but doesn't. And some space marines do some fighting, as they usually do. And there's a little bit yeah. of magic. Um and uh, and it's not even happening in the timeline of the story, so it's like, yeah, it's just it's just it's a, it opens and closes itself within the yeah. course of the novella, which maybe you know maybe people maybe you know in theory that's like satisfying, but it just adds nothing to the series. It's just pure filler, um, and and yeah, I I totally agree, and it it, it would be a different conversation if it was good filler. I suppose because you you go it doesn't add anything, but we haven't spent any real time with the Iron Hands, um, so a nice story with them in it that's fine. But the Iron Hands are faceless, like in a world of space of faceless space marines who all seem the same. These fuckers seem boring compared like, to like other ones, you know. Yeah, and the whole like flesh and technology thing is done. A much greater length and much more interestingly through the Mechanicum. Definitely. Think, you know, and um yeah, I mean it's it's perfectly serviceable if you just like, like if you're someone who just needs more you know, Warhammer forty thousand content 
you know, like, there, there, there is nobody who needs more. Yeah, that seems there, unlikely. There's so I was much. Gonna say. There's loads of it. You know what I mean? But let's just say the world was short of a drop more of content, then this would perfectly just do the job, you know? But like, uh, but, but um, brutal. But, <laughs> but it, it it is very much the definition of inessential in this series. Yeah. Um, I feel I, I sort of wasted my time with this, to be honest, because I was yeah. like, this doesn't matter in any way, and um, I, I, I don't like the characters. I'm, I'm not interested in reading anymore. Because, you know, if it was like, here's a setup for a few books on the Iron Hands, yeah. um, but uh, this has left me like cold to them. I don't want to read a full novel of these fuckers, yeah. you know? And I feel like with that, let's waste no more of our time on the story that we didn't like and um, wrap up, I guess. Um, yeah. So we've got two more. <laughs> in this Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and there'll be about other Primarchs, I guess. I guess um, I, I haven't read any further, so I don't know what they are. I read a little bit uh, further, but you know what? I actually, I literally can't remember. What was I was reading about? Um, I think the Dark Angels are in there. Okay, okay. Well, that's good. That's that'll get me reading on. Um, yes. So uh, that only leaves us to uh, thank all of our listeners. Thank you all for listening. Um, to any new listeners, you're more than welcome. Um, what we normally ask folk to do, if they want to sort of contribute more, if you you know write reviews, spread the word, tell a friend. Um, all that kind of stuff um that would be most appreciated so if anyone feels the need to do that that would be we would be really appreciative um you can also contact us at horseheretics at gmail.com um there is a slight backlog on my behalf of uh responding but we do read them all and we will respond to all emails um so until two weeks time thank you very much for listening i'm new Thanks, uh, I'm William. See you then.